This is the Faith Debate, a theological roundtable gab fest, a free-for-all forum with faith community leaders wrestling over the truth. In less than one half hour, learn more about what really matters than what most others learn in a week. The Faith Debate is on the World Wide Web at WFMD.com, keyword faith. Are you ready for the clash of ideas? Are you ready for the sound of freedom? Let's get ready to rumble in this corner, weighing in with the Master of Divinity from Reformed Theological Seminary, the Faith Debate Master of Ceremonies, oh, yeah. <laughs> Troy Skinner. Thank you for tuning in. You can find us online at WFMD.com, keyword faith, and also find uh, links to uh, podcasts of the show uh, as, as they become available on WFMD's Facebook page, so you can find us there as well. Mine is the voice of Troy Skinner. The voice you will not hear, at least right now, is that of Jonathan Schweitzer. Um, my partner in crime is out, I don't know, making mayhem in the community without me. So we'll clean up that mess later. And we've had a privilege. You know, we've done this show for, I was just talking before we got the show uh, started. We've been doing this show for coming up on just shy 15 years now. And in the first 14 plus years, we only had one political candidate uh, on the show ever. And now we've had two within the last just uh, two, three months or whatever it is now. So I'm not sure what that says. I'm not sure that's good or bad. But I'm going to say that it's good because what that means is because we don't talk politics per se. We talk faith matters, religious matters, theological questions, big philosophical worldview questions. And so the fact that we're having candidates on the show must mean we have candidates that are interested in such things. And so that can only be a good thing, right? So on the show this week and in the studio, I'm going to start with that because ladies first. So in the studio, might not be speaking much, if at all, but a good friend of mine is Angela McIntosh. I've known her for at least a dozen years, probably. And in the last year or so has become an increasingly important part of uh, my family's life, and uh, she's a dear friend. So hopefully she'll have a chance to, to pipe in at some point. And Tony Campbell, who is U.S. Senate candidate for the state of Maryland, and um, former chaplain, and I don't know all of his history, so I'm going to kind of be very general and give you a chance to introduce yourself a little bit. You know, in, in like 60 to 90 seconds, sure. give me some of your bio. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Troy. I... Uh you know, I uh, I teach politics and religion at Taos University, so you know, coming to a show that uh, you can uh, actively engage in talking about theological issues and how it intersects with this with government and and uh, issues of policy uh, is very important. So, um, my background is I I got my doctorate at Liberty University, that seminary there, finished my MDiv also there. Um, was a former Army chaplain and. Uh, have been uh, in ministry for, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years, something like that. Um, both my parents are preachers, uh, so I'm a 2PK. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, uh, you know, as a young person, you uh, you realize uh, that your mom and dad were right and that there's right and wrong in the world. Hmm. And... Mind if I um, jump in real quick? Did you sure. did you not want? I guess it's typical kids don't want to acknowledge that. No, at, it, at I, what point did you turn that corner and I've realize always, that mom and dad were I've right? I've always known that, but when you actually living your life and actually realizing that, there's a difference between uh, um, kind of head knowledge and experiential knowledge. Hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, pr- probably when I got out of the army the first time, when I was enlisted in, in the 1980s, and um, that was an eye-opener. 
Now, was there a story that goes with that? Did you have like a an epiphany where you had a dramatic life change? Like I've always believed this, but now I believe this, and my life is now in a new trajectory. Um, I think just um, living life and you know, kind of seeing kind of the the fruition of of God's creation and 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 choices that we make. You know, and and having that. You know, kind of, there was never an issue as far as, oh, you've done something wrong. It's more of a realization of, oh, that's how life works, <laughs> you know. And, and I think that's something that, unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's a couple generations that really haven't had that. Um, uh, whether through, you know, kind of the maturation process of going uh, and growing up and kind of being in a church and having that kind of uh, grounding. Um, and then when you didn't grow up and grow up and experience life in, in a different ways that it, that happens, then if you don't have that grounding, then, you know, uh, you know, training a child the way they should go. But if you don't have that training, then what happens when your life happens? Yeah. Let me talk about that training a little bit. So, yeah. so starting out your, you know, PK, it's shorthand for preacher's kid in right. case you're the uninitiated right. and you were, uh, times two. So you need some psychological counseling after that because, I don't mean that as a negative against you or your parents, but right. there's a lot of pressure on pastors' families. And if both of your parents were preachers, there must have been an awful. There must have been, you must have felt at some point like there was a spotlight on you. I I've never felt I never felt that growing up. Um, I think my parents did a very good job of uh, you know it wasn't that kind of uh, it wasn't that kind of spotlight. Um, we had a whole community of of people who were in ministry, um, and so it wasn't you know our small you know charismatic you know Church of God in Christ you know, you know congregation. Um, there was never that kind of you know intense spotlight on what you're doing and how you're doing it and all that stuff, um, because we were all saved. There wasn't that kind of. Um, there wasn't that kind of um, scrutiny. Scrutiny is not the right word because there's always scrutiny. Um, but there was never abundance of attention. Yeah, there, there, there was never that. Um, even, um, you know, even, you know, kind of teenage years, there was never that kind of pressure. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Two brothers. Okay, and where are you? Are you middle, oldest? I'm the oldest. I'm the smartest. I'm the brightest. <laughs> I'm the. You're the, I'm the, I'm the <laughs> that's, Sorry, that was that's looking that, that most was, humble. Yeah, that was humble. Yeah, that was yeah. Okay, so from the that that church uh, training. Now it's interesting. You said liberty. Yes, but you also mentioned charismatic. Yes, liberty is not really a charismatic school. Charismatic, I think Oral Roberts or something. Mm-hmm. So uh, liberty is more of like a Baptist kind of a school. So are, are you still kind of theologically in a charismatic vein? Are you more in the, in the more the like a Southern Baptist vein? Like where do you fall now? Uh, the the how we do worship. Is is the only thing that I saw differently between the two. The, the general tenets of the faith were the same. Um, so that 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 theology, there was never a. Uh, this is not familiar to me. Um, so there wasn't that conflict. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, you go to uh, ten different two different churches, and you have ten different ways of doing worship. Right, so that's never been a, that's never been an issue to yeah, me. And in a Baptist milieu, right. And again, you know, if you're listening, you're not sure what, why I'm even raising that question. Um, you know, charismatic uh, 
in very basic broad strokes, believing that the gifts that God gave his church uh, in the, you know, uh, early in the Acts era of the church continue to exist now. So we have uh, prophecy and healing and things like that, speaking in tongues available to the church now. And then there are those who say, no, that 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 was only for a season. It doesn't exist. And most Baptists would not be charismatic. So there'd be a difference there. I mean, there are Right. Charismatic Baptists. Yeah. And most Baptists, what's distinctive about them is the idea that you have to be a you know, professing believer who can make a credible profession of faith and then be, um, be baptized almost always by immersion. Mm-hmm. And so those are distinctives for Baptists. So there's not a whole lot of theological trouble to get into there, right. I guess. So right. I guess that's how they can go. So you have your MDiv. So you worked as a pastor in a church, or you are you went straight into the chaplaincy with the army, or uh, straight into the chaplaincy? Um, you know, my my parents still have a small house church. By the way, MDiv, Masters of Divinity. Yeah. By the way, so Using they still have a small the house, jargon. They still have a small house church, and 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 I I go there once or twice a month, and you know, be a good son and, and help them out and that kind of thing. Um, but most of most of my calling was in a chaplaincy. And because uh, I don't have, I don't have the the patience in the spirit to be a pastor. Um, because I'll tell somebody off, somebody, somebody real quick that they need to get their. Oh life well, straight. I got a few questions. I'm going to check off my list now. I'm not going to ask that one or this one. <laughs> but you have to you have to know what your spiritual gift are. Is, yeah, yeah. You know, and and that and the, I don't have my dad's patience. I just don't. So, did you have? Did you continue your education after your MDiv at Liberty? Yes. And so, because we didn't talk about that yet. So what was that? What's your doctorate? You have a doctorate, right? Yeah, doctor of ministry. Oh, ministry, okay. Yep. And where's that from? Liberty. Oh, everything's liberty. Okay. Well, my, I, I have a master's from Towson in social science. My BA is in political science. Um, but my two seminary degrees are from liberty, liberty. Okay. And was it you said you teach again at Towson? Politics and religion. As, as one subject or two separate subjects? Uh, there's a survey class on the intersection of, of uh, church and state. And then I, most of my classes are political theory. So everything from Plato, Aristotle, Luther, Augustine. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is a chance for us to talk a little politics for you because you, you, know, you do want to talk about that. And you're still stumping and trying to get people to know who you are and want to cast a vote for you. And pardon my directness, but I, I don't know how you think you're going to win because Ben Cardin is in Maryland. <laughs> so we'll talk about that as, maybe as, as an afterthought to your your. Uh, your what'd you say your philosophy of politics right so what is your philosophy of politics uh that the founders of the republic got it right um and they didn't invent stuff out of nothing you know they read plato and aristotle they knew that democracy was probably the worst form of government and so that's why they designed the system that they did that we have separation of powers and checks and balances because john locke wrote about that stuff during the english civil war um that there's a that a middle class is important for safety and security of the state. That's what Aristotle wrote a long time ago. So they they put these different pieces together uh, in a thing called a republic um, for specific reasons. They didn't trust the government. They didn't trust themselves. They certainly didn't trust the people, meaning the masses. Um, so they put together a system that would basically withstand, as uh, James Madison said, that ambition must be made to counteract ambition. That people are going to be ambitious and want to try to push the lever or push the needle in their direction. But if you put a system together that's going to not allow that kind of demagoguery, then you're going to have a republic that's going to withstand us, withstand us test of time. 
Yeah. Um, there's a lot we can unpack there, and, and I'll ask you some follow-up questions so we can do that. By the way, that's the voice of Tony Campbell. He's asking for your vote to be your next senator from in the United States Senate from the state of Maryland. I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Um, so, but I do want to go to that afterthought before I press deeper going into to Ben Cardin <laughs> because, because, and the reason, and I feel like there's a logical flow here. So they got it right 200 and some odd years ago when guys wore funny hair and smelled not so good because they didn't bathe that frequently. And, you know, so these guys, they got it right. And now today people who do bathe and, and have uh, more contemporary hairstyles and seem to have it more together, they're getting it wrong yes. is what you're saying. Well, and yet the ones that are getting it wrong own this state. I mean, let's get it right. Maryland votes Democrat like almost every time. Except for governor. Yeah. So what's up with that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, any, any other state except for Maryland, if you elect a Republican the last basically the last two, two out of three times that we had a choice of governor, the people of Maryland selected a Republican, Bob Ehrlich and Larry Hogan. Yeah. Now, now Ehrlich was not hardcore conservative well, guy. Larry, leaves Larry Hogan. But Hogan's a little more conservative than Ehrlich, yeah. is my sense, right? So does that does that mean anything, or that's just a coincidence? No, I just, I, it means that um, the 30% of the, of the voting population that are independents tend to vote for us if we have the right message, right candidate right, at the right time. You know, um, When's the last time that a vote for U.S. Senate in Maryland was close? Uh, probably the last time a Republican won, which was Mac Mathias. That was before I got here, I think. When was that? Yeah, that was, that was before you got here. <laughs> but, but, was but, I alive yet? <laughs> no. But, you know, that it's, it's not – I think the question is going to be are we still in the in this cycle of we're going to get rid of the uh, establishment deep state stuff because, you know, we, we could have elected Anthony Brown. The people of Maryland chose not to. Could have elected a Kennedy, meaning Catholic Kennedy Towson, chose not to. Um, I think a message, a, a, a message can be crafted that someone who's been in office for 51 years, elected first time in 1967, that's not what we need. That, that kind of same you know, what, um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, and, you know, I was in Baltimore City uh, uh, a couple weeks ago delivering a couple yard signs. And someone kind of, you know, pulls up. I'm putting a yard sign on. He comes and says, hey, I, aren't you Tony Campbell? I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. It's like, well, I've, I've, I've seen your signs. I'm going to vote for you. And I didn't know who this person was. Now, you know, multiply that by, you know, you know, have like 1.3 million people doing that, then I think we'll be in a ball game. But I think it's, you know, of course, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge. Um, but there are avenues for victory um, that I'm not necessarily going to get into because it's more about strategy. Than oh, sure, else. yeah, and I don't, and I don't but want I, to. But I, but you know, I wouldn't be doing this to just do it. I'm not doing this for the loyal opposition. I'm I'm doing this to win. Yeah, now, and, and that leads into my question I was just going to ask, because when I had Jerry Siegel on, who's running as a Democrat against Ben Cardin, and, there's, and the polling that seems to be – there's not a whole lot of polling for this race for some reason, but the little bit you can find, it seems like nobody's challenging Cardin on the Democrat side. And if you believe the polling, it doesn't seem that the Republicans are either. So I asked Jerry Siegel, I said, you know, in the back of your mind, you must be thinking, okay, I might not win. 
So what's my motivation beyond that? And there's got to be some platform. And for him, his big thing is he wanted to have a platform to talk about what's going on in the Middle East. That's like a lifelong issue for him. Mm -hmm. So as, so uh, 1A is I'm going to win. And then 1B is I want to accomplish what? Like what is – are you trying to build momentum for conservative causes in Maryland? Are you trying to focus on a particular issue? Are you trying to encourage – uh, a new face for the Republican Party, because I want to talk about that, too. You must feel some pressure, not only being a Christian running in politics, but an African-American running uh, as a Republican. You must, there's all sorts of pressures there. So, I mean, are any of those tied to another agenda? Agenda sounds pejorative, right? To another motivation? Um, there are the issues that I want to talk about. Um, you know, school choice. I think it's very important to me uh, as an educator uh, and being on the board of a charter school in the city. Um, but those those pieces of policy, uh, where you're talking about, you know, and things that happen on a national level, what what should the role of the national government be? Um, you know, Common Core, No Child Left Behind, race to the top. You know, the Department of Education getting into curriculum management and teacher standards. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that they should be doing that. And in fact, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment says that they should not be involved in health, education, and welfare of their of citizens. Right? Those are left to the states. But talking about what is the proper role of government in and re-educating folks about that is very important to me. See, and that now we're going to shift a little politics, but this is where you know faith and 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 worldview and politics do intersect. And so I'll put my cards on the table. I, I think the, the public education system is a disaster. Uh, I refer to myself and my sister and people that I know well. I refer to us all as victims of the public education system, uh, survivors. Uh, everything I feel like I know that's of any importance at, at all, I learned on my own. I didn't learn it in school, you know, more of a self-educated kind of a thing or, or you know, uh, university level and mm -hmm. seminary level kinds of things. Right. That, that was valuable. But in the public education sector, none. And I feel like it's, just, it's, it's the same thing that happens with uh, – I'm assuming you're pro-life. Yes. <laughs> it's the same thing with the pro-life question. We end up as Christians, it seems to me, and or even if you're not Christian, just conservative politically – arguing on the terms of the progressives. So instead of saying, let's get a let's let's recognize that life begins at conception and that makes the whole choice thing my body thing off the table because if it's a life it's a life and they're constitutionally protected. And with the school thing, you just got done saying that the federal government has no business. Right. And yet, as a U.S. senator, you're going to try to affect change on that. So you're sticking the federal uh, business nose into something that has no business. They force us to fight on their turf. How do we stop that? Well, I, I think just having the education to shift the narrative. That That's how you begin to – because people have – People are, are they follow the path of least resistance, and so if you're if you're going to tell them that we're going to give you X, then people are going to get they're going to want this, they're going to want what is supposedly free, even though it's not, right? So we don't even have we have very few people who are even willing to have the conversation about what is the proper role of government. And don't even get me started about it not being free because it's the furthest thing from right. free. It's 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 probably the most expensive way to do. Well, we're doing. and, and I mean, every every local government in, in Frederick and any any other jurisdiction in the state, you know, the public education budget is fifty five percent of your property taxes, fifty five percent, which is nuts. Which is yeah, and you compare the expenses per pupil in the public education system, where they've got scale on their side, 
right? They've got usually the more you make of something, the more widgets you make, the lower the cost, the higher the profit margin. Not public you, education. Public education. They're <laughs> they're educating more students, and it costs them quite a bit more than the private schools are Two paying or three for people. And then you do this. I'm not a big fan of the standardized test scores, but you, you, what you, you got what you got to, to try to measure things by. And even by their own standards, these standardized test scores, the homeschool kids and the private school kids far outperform the public school kids like every time. Well, and it's even worse than that, Troy, because this, even the standard is, is off. You know, one of the, one of the hats that I wear is I'm, I'm on the P20 Leadership Council, which kind of deals with education on the macro level in the state of Maryland. You know, there have been discussions in the room that I've been in in the last couple of years trying to figure out what exactly the park scores does. What does it do? What is the purpose of the park test? We don't even know that. And that's the money that our, that our government well, is spending. Throw that into the bucket of things we don't know. Right. We, <laughs> so, so, if, so if the standard of what we're trying to reach is a moving target and we don't understand what that is. That's on purpose. That's my point. We end, so we end up using their standards because the only thing we have for discussion, we end up playing on their turf when we know. They know. And they know that we know that they know that we know that it's all useless. And yet those are the discussion. Right. They're not even in the room. And we're using their standards as kind of a platform from which to have a dialogue we've already lost the war at that point right i don't know anyway i gotta wrap this this uh this episode up believe it or not it's over no way we're gonna have you back next week right (laughs) i do want to talk about your 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 experience as a chaplain Uh, i do want to pick your brain more about some of this political stuff i want you to have a chance to unpack a little bit more of uh of what your platform that you're running on is because it sounds like a lot of it would be stuff that i'm uh that that i'm going to be interested in and i hinted at it i do want seriously to talk about the issue of race in the political party and i'm going to warn you now you have plenty of time to think about you know the question's coming we got to talk about what your platform and your ideas are in relation to the president because donald trump the more often i say donald trump the higher my ratings go so donald trump donald trump donald trump well it is look (laughs) i mean 30 seconds so first of all but we don't have i'm sorry you don't even have 30 seconds save your 30 seconds Ah. we'll lead next week with those 30 seconds do not lose the thought till next week god bless